0: Hello, this is Chris Cooper, and I hope
1: you've had a wonderful week and a big welcome uh, to you today. And I'm delighted we're going to be talking today about strategies for growth with my guest, Gavin Preston. Uh, before I introduce Gavin to you, um, I'd like to say a, a big thank you. I normally say at this point, a big thank you to the guest on last week's show. However, with it being my 175th show, I thought I'd do something a bit different. And I shared my own thoughts um, for a change on you know how to become a really engaging leader or manager so i don 't want to thank myself, but I do want to thank those people who really kindly fed back that they had really loved the show uh, i 've spoken about this subject many times recently and i 'm you know pleased um, by uh, you know how you know by the passion um, for helping people that I have um, and creating really engaging leaders as really kind of resonated and came across in that session. I was thinking about it last Saturday because I shared some statistics about employee engagement and the fact that you know less than a third of the people tend to be really engaged in their jobs. And I was sitting watching my favorite football team, which is Leicester City, and they came back from two goals down at 71 minutes to win uh, by three goals to two. And I was thinking about those statistics and thinking if Leicester had only had three players that were really engaged and six players that were just watching the ball or occasionally kicking it, maybe having the odd selfie with uh, people in the crowd, and two players that were just so disengaged that they were actively trying to put the ball in their own net, uh, mirroring uh, the statistics on organisations, then uh, I really don't think that Leicester would have had any chance of winning, do you? Um, So do check out the archive and find out how you can book this trend and have your people become so much more productive uh, with uh, you giving some attention to your own uh, sort of engaging leadership style. So from engaged leaders to a really engaging leader who I witnessed in a couple of weeks ago engage well over 100 delegates uh, for nearly a whole day on his own at one of his strategies for growth seminars in Whitehall in the very heart of London. And two things struck me. Firstly, what an appropriate location because Gavin Preston was able to get to the very heart of the challenges that most businesses face and provide insightful wisdom that like nearby Big Ben, that's a big clock by the way in London, was striking a huge chord with the audience. And secondly, what a great initiative by the HSBC bank to invest in bringing a leading business strategist in to help their customers. No fee was actually charged by HSBC it was with their compliments. and uh, My faith that the banking sector actually cares about bringing value to its customers was being rekindled. Now, during that event, Gavin shared some of his really impactful strategies, which I know he's going to share with us today. Um, he's a top international business strategist and a business growth mentor. He's helped his clients generate millions of pounds in additional revenue and net profit over the last 12 years. And uh, I can t- you know, say uh, from my own experience, he's passionate, he's inspiring, he's authentic, and he really does uh, you know, motivate and engage with his audiences. So I'd like to say a big welcome today to Gavin Preston. Thank you, Chris, and thank you very much for the opportunity and the privilege of being on your show this afternoon. Uh, you're very welcome. Lovely to talk to you. Maybe you should just... Um, Whereabouts in the, in the world are you, Gavin?
2: Uh, so I'm in um, beautiful uh, North Wales in the, uh, in the UK, so as I look out of my window now, I have the... Uh, the sun's shining, and I have the privilege of uh, a beautiful view of uh, um, Conway Castle, originally built uh, to, <laughs> by, by the English to keep the Welsh out, actually. So I've got a great view <laughs> over the castle and, uh, and towards the castle and the River Conway and the boats that are floating and the yachts that are floating on the river there.
1: Excellent. Well, I wonder, I wonder uh, all those years ago, how pleased they would have been to have you living where you are, because I think you're an Englishman, aren't you?
2: I am indeed. Not to a Welsh lady, but yes, I'm an
1: Englishman. <laughs> now, before we get into business strategy, I wondered if you, because we didn't mention it in the introduction, actually, but I think it's, you know, it's quite fascinating, uh, some of your sort of personal background, but I know one of the things that you absolutely love is sailing. And I just wondered That's if right. you just wanted to share a little bit about your, your sailing adventures, because you tend to be very low-key about it.
2: I've had the great privilege, really. Since the age of four, my, when I was four, well, um, my dad got into training as a new hobby, and uh, I was were introduced to it, my brother and myself, and we, I think we were very privileged that we had the opportunity to grow up playing on boats, and uh, uh, initially on the sea, and then on uh, Lake Windermere, which is the largest inland uh, lake in England, and then uh, for a good number of years. Um, and then as I got older, I did more and more training on the sea, and, and I had the great privilege of... Probably sailing well over eighteen thousand sea miles, and um, I've sailed on different trips all the way from eighty degrees north, which is just six hundred miles south of the North Pole, all the way down to the Caribbean, and including an Atlantic crossing, of course. And I've also done some sailing around New Zealand, and uh, so I've had amazing experiences. Uh, probably one of the most memorable was the opportunity to sail across the Atlantic, which I did in nineteen ninety nine as part of an organised event called The Arc, the Atlantic Valley for Cruisers. So. Um, yeah, I was one of um, five people, four of which I didn't know, <laughs> didn't know me before, on a boat, uh, a small forty-one foot boat, uh, and we we were at sea for twenty-four and a half days and out of sight of land for twenty-three and a half of those days.
1: What wonderful! Well, I never forget. Actually, I, I used to work for a Olympic yachtsman, and I did ask him. I said, "Would you ever sail across the Atlantic?" And he said, "You must be joking. There's too much rubbish out there." So <laughs> very brave of you, I think.
2: Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it, I had uh, had a uh, a an amazing experience, learned a lot about sort of leadership and management and the importance of uh, sort of a good sense of humour when you you're keeped up in such uh, uh close confines for that period of time with people that I didn't I didn't know. But yeah, I also had the privilege of uh, quite an amazing spectacle, uh, early hours of one morning and um I was on, on the deck on my own and we were surfing down the back of the wave, I had my life jacket and harness on and everybody else was asleep below deck and all of a sudden, there was a big crowd whoosh, and there was a flash of light that lit up the whole seascape, just like a floodlit football pitch. And I didn't know what it could be. You know, my heart was racing and my, and my mind was racing and thinking, is it a low-flying aircraft? Is it a sea rescue aircraft? with its landing lights on? Or a super tanker um, with its spotlights on? And just about to mow us over? And 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 what it was when I actually turned round was a meteorite had entered, you know, the atmosphere and had just uh, yeah. exploded on entry into the atmosphere and that's had the most intense flash of light and. I guess I probably was one of a handful of uh, people on the planet in that moment that had the privilege of witnessing quite, you know, such a spectacle.
1: Oh, that sounds absolutely wonderful. I should just clarify what I said in terms of my rowing friend. He was saying there was, he, he was concerned that it was dangerous because there was a lot of sort of uh, you know, oil drums and things like that out there. Did you, did you have any sort of uh, risk of that when you were going across or...? You know, has it? Uh, the sea's been improved
2: a bit. the biggest fear I had is the whole trip. and um, We didn't actually have really bad weather conditions. But we had very little wind, to be honest. But um, where, when we were sleeping, when we weren't on watch showing the boat, you know, my bunk was right in front of the in, in front of the boat. And my biggest, I suppose, fear was in the middle of the night. You know, you, you, you surf down the back of a wave and crack, smack into, uh, a semi submerged you know, one of these big containers that sits on container yes. ships and that come off, of, you know, a container ship and you'd we, have hit that and you know, we wouldn't have been able to see it in the pitch black and, um, you know, the, <laughs> the boat would have relatively quickly and, okay, if you're on deck you've got some chance of doing something about it but it would have been much harder if you'd been in a deep sleep. Um, so that was, I think that was probably my biggest fear of the whole trip. The, you know, wind conditions and weather conditions uh, didn't pose didn't a problem at all and fortunately we didn't hit anything
1: like that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, uh, so yes, full, full respect to you. And having had seasickness on boats as well, I, I think uh, it's a brave thing to do. Um, I wondered now if we could have a chat about business growth. And I, I kind of wondered what was it that got you really interested in in this whole subject of growing businesses.
2: Yeah, I grew up around uh, business. My dad was uh, running around his own businesses and he was self-employed. So from a young age, I was very familiar with the conversation around the dinner table, and I was exposed to it. And um, in his career early on, actually, he, he was a self self-employed sales manager for uh, the UK arm of an American chemical company. So he was involved in sales, and he got exposed to a lot of American authors in the field of sales and self-help. And at the age of 15, actually, when I was studying for the kind of schooling exams uh, in the UK called the GCSEs he handed me a, he handed me a book called The Success System That Never Fails by W. Clement Stone and said, Come read this and you know, it <laughs> will set you up for life and um, and it was Napoleon Hill's famous quote what the mind can conceive and believe the mind can achieve and that Mm. became my motto in life to be honest Chris and it got me started from the age of 15 I've read and and, uh, every every book I can find listened to every audio program now in a modern age podcasts and radio shows attending every seminar I can do and just learn and amused myself in the world of personal and professional development and then I trained and qualified as a chartered accountant at KPMG so I got a very solid business qualification and then I went and um, studied with uh, uh, Dr. Richard Bandler and Paul McKenna and Michael Breen in, in NLP and became a master practitioner and master business practitioner and and, uh, and I started to pull these different threads together and it became quite natural for me to want to be able to serve the business world using my knowledge around business, I mean, my knowledge around behavioral change and performance improvement and my experience working with larger corporates. To simply, You know, now what my real passion is and my real desire is is to help high growth, you know, small and medium-sized businesses to, to really take their business to a, to a whole
1: new level. And what do you find are the the barriers that stop the small businesses, medium businesses doing that. Yeah, I, got, I, I, mean, I had a great, I had the great privilege. Now I'm in the second year of a UK speaking tool for
2: the International uh, Bank HSBC. And last year we did uh, 38 events around the country and this year it's 44 and and the same things keep coming up when I when I'm talking over the course of the the tours, you know, thousands of business owners. And um and there's been some interesting sort of slight shifts. So probably early last year there were things around um, how do we develop more demand, how do we create more leads, and there's a lot around marketing. But now there's been a very subtle yet important shift and, and that's around um, many businesses need to build the capacity quick enough to keep up with the level of demand and and, and specifically the issue that comes up time and time again is how to get of enough of the right quality of nati- uh, people um, in order to be able to uh, sustain that growth and, uh, and, and deliver on the
1: on the demand that's in the marketplace at the moment. Uh, so that's fascinating. Doing a little bit of research uh, myself at the moment and, and that finding the right quality of people was, was coming you know, featuring very highly for me as well in that, uh, that, in that study. Um, so tell us, you have a, a system which you, you shared at this event that I was at and it's, you, you refer to it as the Strategy Compass. Uh, would you like to share that with us?
2: Yes, my um, system is the Strategy Compass. And um, it's uh, where it's come from is that, you know, I've uh, been for 12, 15 years now working in organisations, large and small, uh, now helping them to to grow, whether it be at an individual level or at or at a or an organisational level. So um, I've been looking at what are the common threads, what needs to happen, what has to be in place in order to create lasting and effective change and accelerate growth. And I I, I codified or formulated this into uh, 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 my system, my model, called the Strategy Compass. And there are six steps to it. And if you could imagine, uh, you know, a compass and the heart of the compass, there's kind of two components. And the first is purpose. And um you know, there are many people in business are speaking about this at the moment and I, I think it's incredibly important that businesses in the world are up to something that are achieving great results are up to something other than the short term pursuit of profit. So it might be, you know, Virgin wanting to revolutionise the consumer experience or Apple wanting to create insanely brilliant products or Facebook Facebook and WhatsApp wanting to connect the client together. But they've all got a bigger purpose other than the short term pursuit of profit. And why I think that's incredibly relevant now in the marketplace for high-growth, small-to-medium-sized businesses is we need to stand out, and every business is trading in a in a very com- a very packed marketplace full of copycat or me-too type solutions. And if you, to stand out in this marketplace, you've got to be clear what you stand for, what you clear what you stand against, and you've got to be beautifully authentic about you know why am I doing it? I mean, we have to ask oh, why are we in business. And I think all businesses have to ask themselves a very simple question: So what? So what difference does our product or our service make to our customers or to our customers' customers? And if we focus more around serving our customers and helping them serve their customers, we're going to come across so much more authentically and have a very different conversations with them than we're thinking about. You're another number that I can sell to. So that that's absolutely crucial. Purpose purposes at the core. The other aspect is, is mindset and often when I see businesses plateau in, 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 in their growth it's often because they've got reached the limit of the thinking and the mindset of the people at the, the, the home, the, the the founder or the CEO of that business. So if we want to change the trajectory of the growth of our business then we've got to change the thinking of the people at the top who are leading the business and, and the key people in that business. So those are the two central components to the compass. And then if you can look at the, the point that shows north, um, it's outcome. We've got to be clear about where we're heading. We've got to have a clear destination. And Every time I stand on stage and mention this, my, my voice in my head goes, surely, if you basically everybody must know where they're going and have their goal. But in the tour I did last year, I found out that less than 20% of the businesses in the room on every single event actually had written down targets and goals of where they're heading. So mm-hmm. the northerly point is outcome. The easterly point on the uh, the compass it's strategy. We've got to know the how. If you know where we want to go, then we've got to work out the how, and that's what strategy is all about. And um, what I specialise in is helping to come up with the creative strategies that will develop that growth and deliver that growth. And then the third point on the compass um, is all about creating capability, and, and, and specifically how do we build the capability and the capacity of the business so that it can deliver on those growth strategies. And then the westerly point the, 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 the sixth uh, point of the of the model but the westerly point on the compass, you can imagine that the action and accountability and I think unless Unless we take action, unless we implement it, we don't get the income. You know, implementation equals income. And importantly, and I see more and more now in the world of business, the key to success is to create accountability mechanisms, not only for ourselves as leaders of businesses, but also for the people that are in our teams, so that we actually can hold people to account in a very professional way, but hold people to account to make sure the job gets done. So that's a quick run through the the stages of uh, strategy compass. So um, purpose, mindset,
1: outcome, strategy, capability, and action. Wonderful. Well, that's uh, perfect timing because we're going to go into commercial break uh, again now. But after the break, we're going to start to look at things like trends. We're going to look at some of the key things within online marketing, uh, the importance of things like uh, video and how to create great video. We've got lots and lots of content to come. So do join us again uh, just after the break with myself, Chris Cooper, and Gavin Preston. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and if you want to find out more information about coming uh, guests that are coming up, my thoughts on the show and those sorts of things, uh, we send out one communication a month on that, uh, and you can access that by subscribing to the newsletter at Chris, uh, sorry, chriscooper.co.uk. But I'm delighted to be with, uh, with Gavin Preston. We're talking about strategies for growth, and before the break, we looked at the strategy compass. Um, but I know, um, Gavin, that you know, really to, to grow quickly – what I've sort of noticed is that some companies often you know, surf on the waves of key trends, and that can be a very good strategy. And I wondered, from your perspective, what are the top three trends in the marketplace that we should all be aware of right now?
2: Yes, the first one is the uh, the amount of trade that is going to be conducted online. And this is being uh, driven by uh, a big demographic shift, you know, Generation Y or digital natives, as they're known, the 20 or 30 somethings uh, in the population, and you know, they've been grown up with uh, a smartphone or a tablet uh, attached to their umbilical cord almost, and they think nothing other than of uh, purchasing online. And uh, Price uh, published an interesting uh, graph in a in a report called uh, their World Watch Report. And it shows um, the, the the UK version of it shows uh, a graph of the percentage of adults in the UK that are active consumers in the market, and uh, it shows a crossover actually between the traditional consumer who didn't trade online at dwindling rapidly, and it being overtaken by the. That the people, the, the, the sort of digital natives, the uh, people are buying and, try and and choosing to purchase goods and services, whether personally or professionally, online. And 2015, 2016 is a time where the percentage, say for example in the UK, of the population that's active buying things, they're going to be the digital natives, those that are going to be tra- uh, purchasing goods online. And this drives a very interesting statistic: is that globally, the amount of e-commerce that's done is expected. To double by 2017 from 2014 figures, and that's the bit that's kind of blows my mind is that it's growing at such a rate. So that's the that's the first trend. Is it the amount of trade that's being conducted online? And um, the second, I'll I'll put I'll put two I'll put, I'll cheat a little if I may, and I'll put sort of two phrases in there. One of personalization and one of speed. Um, for some time now, there's uh, been rapid prototyping, of course, and the Advent of three D printers, uh, as mentioned, there can be a lot more to, or additive manufacturing, as it's kind of known professionally. Is that it's a lot more opportunity to, to do mass customization. But we're seeing it from you know Nike. You can go onto a Nike website and, and design your, your your training or your running shoe, or you uh, to your own to, to your own colour scheme. Even down to vehicle has been manufactured very much to order now uh, rather than having, you know, big parking lot full, uh, full of cars waiting to be sold. So the, the, the need for personalization is an opportunity also for a premium. You can charge a premium for that, I and mean, it's a big trend. Also, speed of delivery. Companies like Amazon have conditioned us over time to expect very, very quick delivery and um, in terms of physical goods and instantaneous mean, delivery in terms of digital downloads. And I think now one area of competitive advantage can be how quick can you get your product or your service out to the customer once they've made that decision to buy because hey that need for instant gratification is, is is alive and being fueled more now in human sort of buying psychology than probably ever before. So um the third area is this changing in business models and some of these are, are fascinating. That not only is a lot of talk about the Internet of Things where so many devices are connected to the net, whether it be not on your phone but your 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 your, your automobile, your car, your um your household heating systems, maybe even a pacemaker in time. Um but there's Now the internet of sharing things, which is really interesting because it's affecting business models. So for example, in Sweden there's a new car club uh, being uh, set up with Audi and it's called Audi Unite and five or six uh, neighbours or friends can get together to do their own uh, car share or car club uh, with the Audi Unite scheme. A more light-hearted example is in Hong Kong. uh, There's a a relatively new uh, startup called Umbrella Here, and they have uh, these, they call them donuts, but it's like this uh, white hexagon that they put on the top of the umbrella. And if you're walking down the street in Hong Kong and it's raining and your umbrella's open, you don't mind sharing or, uh, your umbrella with somebody else. You tap a, a button on the app, you tap the app in your, on your smartphone, and the, uh, the donut on the top of the umbrella lights up, advertising, hey, would you like to come and share my umbrella uh, so it's changing <laughs> the business models, uh, some of them more lighthearted. Um, the technology is also enabling you um, to do things like fast laning. So, so many of you will know that in Starbucks, you can order from the Starbucks app your, whatever drink of your choice, and then it could be already waiting on the counter when you arrive in. Or in Sweden, there's a uh, theme park uh, called Lindenburg, and they, ha- they have a, a roller coaster called the Helix Roller Coaster, and every 15 minutes, uh, uh, people sorry, waiting in the queue to go on the Helix road, Roller Coaster, play the roller coaster game on their smartphone. And every 15 minutes, the person with the highest score on the game gets right to the front of the queue. So, fast-lating, again, another example of that, but very clever fusing of the digital and the personal. And the final example of, kind of the, how technology is changing business models is this one around fair splitting. So whether you know the, the app in the in, in the Uber car enabling you to share the uh, the Uber fare, or San Francisco startup Lyft L Y F T enabling you to um, do a car share on, on, on the way to, to on your daily commute, um, these uh, these apps with technology is, is creating shifts in business models, and also giving us an opportunity to have our business on uh, on different platforms you know, like
1: an app store, for example, Well, our product or our service may get in front of new potential customers that we may otherwise not have come across. A lot a lot going on out there, isn't there? Absolutely. <laughs> You're meant, yeah, it's just the the world is changing so quick. And, yeah, it's interesting that, that trend that you mentioned, or some of the trends you mentioned there about personalization, but, uh, you know, we've got to be online. But also, you know, how could you, you develop products and services that enable sharing? Um, it's... Uh, that's really, really um interesting, um, now I know you're that you're you put a lot of emphasis on online marketing we You talked about online marketing there um I remember at the event that I was at, you talked about the importance today of merging content with commerce, and I wondered, you know, is this a strategy for all businesses, uh, and how should we go about it? I was interestingly, yesterday, I was with my accountant who's got a very busy accountancy firm. Um, but I've been trying to find his website, and he doesn't have one yet. <laughs> so quite, quite interesting. Um, so he's probably quite a step away from it, merging content with commerce. But you know, how could you do that with, with uh, you know, a whole host of different businesses, and uh, and why should they do it? I
2: think the rationale behind it is that in order that the fundamental quality of all human relationships, whether they be personal or whether they be business, is trust. And for somebody to buy a product or service from you, um, no matter how big or small, fundamentally they need to be able to trust you. And if they've never dealt with you before, of course they're asking of themselves: Is this company, is this person, going to do what they say they're going to do, or is that their product going to do what it says on the tin? So, one of the ways in which we can build trust is to is to add value. Um, traditionally websites, or you know, it was not traditionally in the early stages of websites, of course, they were just effectively an online brochure. But that's not enough, for, even to have an e-commerce capability. We have to work harder to get customers to keep coming back to our website. And, you know, marketeers used to say that it would take between one and three touches for someone to buy into your product or your service. You might look at an advert and look at your website and read a blog post. But now they're saying it takes between 7 and 21 touches before somebody is going to buy into your product or your service. And um, this is where we have the opportunity to deliver information, to deliver valuable information and content um, that, will, that will make a difference or help them address problems that they may be facing in their business or in their lives or help them achieve some of their goals or aspirations. And the other thing that this content, uh, the other it function it serves as, is it keeps bringing people back to your website, and um, because you want them so that you can demonstrate value and so that you can build a relationship. And this content may be in written format, in terms of a good blog post, or it could be in terms of video content, for example, or audio content.
1: I thought. um, I thought just thinking about that was you know online and you know really really get that. And the value that that can bring to people and the world is uh, is moving, you know, moving to wanting information quick. And we're going to talk about video in a, in a moment. Um, I, but I thought an interesting sort of offline example of that was, you know, your events with HSBC. In that, as I mentioned earlier in the interview, you know, they are they, they've got their sort of commercial business going on, but they were providing through you an incredible amount of content to people for free, and it left me with a a better impression of them when I left the building.
2: Yes. The whole origin of the tools has been uh, HSBC comes in the feedback and the customers were saying, you know, we like you, we like your brand, um, you know, we like what you do for us, but to be honest, we don't think you add enough value to our business. And, um, you know, it's fantastic that HSBC have, have, have backed this tool for, for now two years because and, and we'll be using different content, brand new content in twenty fifteen to what we did in twenty fourteen. Um, because they, they genuinely believe and it and it's it's true to the core of their of their purpose, is they they want to add value and they want to connect people together. So that they can achieve their goals and aspirations in business and um yeah, they've been huge and wonderful supporters of it and and like you your experience chris that there's been many customers and prospective customers that come on these to these events, and um they've been equally impressed and got a huge amount of value and most importantly from everybody's point of view is they've grown their business as a result of um putting into practice the strategies that we share.
1: Yeah, well, a great, well done, well done to HSBC for doing that. I did, uh, I did sort of uh, think when I was sitting there, uh, you know, I obviously came to the event because I knew you, and I've been with them eight years. I've not actually been invited to anything like that, and I just thought, uh, you know, that really did help in terms of my relationship with them. It was great to see lots of people from HSBC there loving it as well. Um, so they were learning from it too. So it just seemed a, a really, you know, brilliant, brilliant strategy. So. Big, uh, big thumbs up to you all. Um, so I just want to move on to video now because I know you're a big supporter of video. Why is video so important today? I, I
2: mentioned the phrase about authenticity earlier on, about the need for us to stand out in a crowded marketplace. And you know, in days gone by, it was important that we build the brand of our company and the brand of our product. But now more than ever, it's really important that we Build the brand of the personality or the personalities that are in business, and video you know, gives us a great opportunity to do that. It gives us an opportunity to express what we stand for, as I mentioned earlier, right, and our purpose, what what we're doing. And it also gives us an ability to to connect and to share opinions. And um, people are following video as a, a medium. You know, we've got four G networks in increasing uh, increasing countries rolling out, and we've got. Wi-Fi access in more and more places as we go about our daily lives and with um, companies uh, such as Cisco in the background building the infrastructure on the net so video streams so much more effectively. It's a medium that we're downloading on our smartphones and our tablets and watching on our laptops and desktops, and, and and we're consuming a lot more video. In actual fact, Cisco reckon that by, expect that by um, 2018, that 79% of the traffic going across the internet will be video-based traffic. So there's a massive, massive opportunity for us to share what's important to us and what we believe in, share the difference that we believe our podcast service will make, and share our opinion, and, 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 and and that's important, if want to know that. Because one of the things that it's, um, it's important to do with our marketing now is to create a pulse, to create an attraction. And to use uh, the words of the fabulous um, uh, marketing author, Seth Godin, he said, we need to build a tribe, our own community of people uh, that buy into what we're up to, buy into what we're doing, add value to that tribe. and it comes back to the trust piece. that once people have bought into words with added value and we've uh, built trust, then they're more likely to buy from us. And video is a fantastic medium to
1: enable us to do that. Yeah, I think it, it, obviously Rice can help us get out there. Can't it? One of my previous guests, um, Frank Furness, is a bit of a master of this, and he, he produced a lot of video. I think he had, he saying he had something like over 4 million viewings of his videos on YouTube. And, uh, you know, that's an incredible amount of potential extra people who are being touched by him and gaining value from him and uh, are becoming aware of him. Um, so it, it said it's had a huge has a huge impact on his business, so makes lots and lots of sense. But how do you? you have got about three minutes now until commercial break, Gavin. But how do you best go about creating these videos? I know sometimes people worry about they need do they need to be really slick and polished? Uh, are they going to be time consuming? You know, what's your thoughts? How do you best do them?
2: If you wanted to, sorry, to show off, or show off your, a particular product or service that um, you feel will respond well to have professional lighting and, 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 and photography done or videography done, then sure, it's worth investing going to professionals to get that done. However, if you're sharing your point of view about some shifts in the market, uh, some new legislation and how that might impact your market space, um, your current uses or thoughts, your, your day or your week, and you want to add a value to your tribe by doing that. Then smartphones—they're just brilliant. You know, of course, they shoot parts of movies on smartphones now, and the capability on smartphones enables you very, very quickly and effectively um, to, to get content and upload it to the network, to Facebook or to YouTube. And of course, video selfies are becoming more and more um, prevalent. People are interested necessarily in the production quality of what you're putting out there. They're just more interested in the content, what you've got to share. And this has also been backed up by you know, top marketeers in the US, for example, have split tested um, their, their an offer, so they've sent um, an offer out to half their marketing list with that was being filmed on professional camera equipment in the studio environment, and then half the list has been sent the same offer but filmed um, on a smartphone, professionally. And um, interestingly, the smartphone um, completely better because it costs across as so much more authentic, so much more real. So please, yeah, use our smartphones because they're a great opportunity, a phenomenal tool, for us to get a video out there online and share what we're interested in. And the, more importantly, share information of value that can make a difference to how our, our customers and prospective customers address the problems that they're facing and achieve their goals and their aspirations.
1: It's amazing, isn't it? The, the the quality of a an iPhone and and the video quality and the sound quality, and that's probably superior to you know to, top end uh, cameras and audio equipment several years ago. And we absolutely. We, we, yeah, you know, we've
2: and got it, uh, at every edition, you know, and if you just take the iPhone now, the new, the new iPhone 6S and 6S Plus, there's been a big upgrade in terms of camera capability and, and, and HD video quality that's coming out those uh, the, the new iPhone 6S and 6S Plus. And so therefore, they're, they're an amazing tool for us to be able to capture current um, you know, video content and, and get it out there to our, our customers and our list and our tribe.
1: Wonderful. Well, we're going to have another commercial break. It's our last commercial break, and then we're going to look at a little bit about social media platforms. um, And I want to talk about things like guerrilla marketing and those sorts of aspects too, which I know can really help uh, drive sudden growth in a business. So I'll be back with you again with Gavin Preston in just a couple of minutes.
0: Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you.
2: What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need, exactly when you need it, so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business.
1: Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Hi this is chris cooper i'm with Gavin Preston. We're talking about strategies for growth and and gavin i have probably asked this question to quite a few people in the past and but it it seems to change uh, you know all all the time really there's you know, new social media platforms and things uh, coming along but I wonder which social media platforms really must we utilize right now do you think uh, you know which which of the ones are the key ones for you?
2: it' been what well, I, I attended um, the conference in San Diego in February the digital marketer traffic and conversion summit and one of the things that really struck me about that was the uh, from all the people there on the, not only on the stage but it, but in the audience that uh, they were finding that Facebook was a number one marketing tool for them you know as a platform. It's a it's a platform where a lot of people hang out whether personally or professionally and there's a business. Uh, in, in any business, the decision makers uh, will be influenced by the staff and the employees around them, and there would be a good proportion of those employees that are also spending time and hanging out on Facebook. So, there's a great opportunity, I think, to get um, your product advertised on Facebook and video ads, for example, on Facebook are doing very well. And if you consider the, return, the cost of those and the potential return on investment, there's a much better return on investment to be had, for example, with video ads on Facebook than there is uh, in many cases than Google ads, which are relatively expensive. So, um, of course, not not uh, a, Facebook isn't necessarily a fit for all markets and all businesses, but there's, um, a, you can get some fantastic results and brilliant not only for building a tribe, but representing your offer, retargeting the people that have raised a hand of interest in what you have to offer and um, representing offers to them and setting them on a journey, a, a, a marketing funnel where gradually you are able to make increasing offers to them over time. So Facebook is a great launch pad for a marketing funnel.
1: Yeah, that marketing funnel is really important. I, I, I didn't want to f- focus too much on it in this show because... It it is does get quite complex, doesn't it, in terms of you know building one. Um, but those and you can need a bit of IT and systems uh, sort of thinking to help you design them. Um, but they uh, they do work, don't they?
2: They do work. And you know, if, if I just take a, a UK perspective, I think actually the UK market is very slow to using the opportunity of uh, email marketing funnels. They're doing hugely, uh, much more effectively in the US than they are in the UK. So I think it's a a great opportunity. Um, Most businesses, for example, on the tour the last two years, uh, only about between two and five percent of the businesses in the room even know what an autoresponder is. And I'm not going to go into what one is necessarily on the, uh, this because we could be talking for some more minutes but the point is that um, they work very very effectively they speak to the 7 to 21 touches to uh, to get someone to want to buy, they help you add value, build a relationship based on trust and earn the right to make an offer so yes they're very very good at nurturing your customer base and uh, and then and making an offer when appropriate
1: I think uh... I think you kind of – I sort of touched on these in the past myself, and I think doing this in a very much more methodical and appropriate way, I think, uh, at the moment, sort of working on designing it. But I do think that with those funnels, it does need some special attention to make sure that you do it in an elegant way. Um, um, yes, rather absolutely. Than, because
2: rather, do. Um, carry on.
1: Sorry, go sorry, can
2: Yes, I do. Um not only the right citizens page, you, you you need to be constructing the messaging, the copy that you write has got to engage people and take them step by step. And importantly, you've got to add value. Your content has to be good enough to get people to consume it, to read it, to watch it, and therefore, uh, to, as I've said, use the phrase, you, uh, so you then earn the right to, um, to make them an offer. So yes, there is certainly an art and a science for pulling these together. And I would highly recommend that uh, A, you get the right technical support on the system side to build those, but also you tap into people that can help you construct the right um, messaging and the right copy that engages and that converts.
1: Brilliant. Well, we, I would want to move on to to uh, another area. Um, at your event, you you set a little task for people to on on different tables to share one thing that they've done differently in the last year, and I shared that I'd written this book, Power to Get Things Done, whether you feel like it or not, and I pulled out a, a copy i just received and suddenly found myself um, having a microphone thrust in my hand and asked to share it, and a, a delegate then congratulated me afterwards and said it was a, a, a brilliant example of guerrilla marketing, um, which I actually felt slightly guilty about because it was your event, um, but I wonder, does, does guerrilla marketing have a, a place?
2: Yes, absolutely, and and we share a, a number of strategies uh, at the event. Um, you know, guerrilla comes from the Spanish word "small war," and and um, guerrilla marketing. Uh, you know, there's a book, a brilliant book by Jay Colin Levinson, of the same title, and um w- what it's all about is for a relatively small amount of investment uh, in terms of marketing, how can we get a big bang for our book, and particularly in a in a local area, how do we creatively stand out. Um, a colleague of mine, Alan, he spent a good portion of his month in the U.S., and he was working with a local florist in a local shopping mall, and they got... Um, uh, one week, they, they managed... Or sorry, the previous week, before they ran this little campaign, there was Chalk Fest, where they had all of the chalk pavement artists <laughs> come to town and and, uh, and and compete with each other. Anyway, they managed to get one of these chalk pavement artists, um, and they paid her $75, and one Saturday morning... Outside the florist uh, store in the in the mall, and she drew her own, um, she drew her own sort of impression of Van Gogh's sunflower, and the and it looked brilliant, actually, absolutely, but looked brilliant. But the important thing was, for a seventy-five dollars spend, that chalk art outside the front door increased footfall by three hundred percent and increased sales by two hundred percent. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a phenomenal results. Uh, so it's it's creative ways in which you can, at low cost, stand out in the marketplace. I'd like to give you another probably much better, well-known example of guerrilla marketing, and it's the um, Will It Blend? The Will It Blend series of uh, videos on on YouTube that have gone viral, and and it's from blendtech, the company that produces the Back in 2006, they wanted to get into the residential market. They predominantly supplied bl- blenders for the restaurants and hotels. And um, The new marketing director was really struck at the level that uh, Tom Dixon, the, uh, the founder and the inventor of the blenders, went to, to test the, uh, the blenders, bits of wood in and for example. So they went yeah. out and they put down to they, they, they went out and a golf ball and a can of Coke and a rotisserie chicken and uh, Happy Meal, and, and and blended them each separately, and they put these videos up onto onto YouTube, and six days later they'd had six million views, wow. and now some 120 videos later, and some 200 million views later, including some <laughs> you know, quite amusing ones where they put the iPhone six and the Galaxy S three in um, into the different blenders, and you know it's probably become the most successful viral video campaign of all time. So. Yes, go with the marketing. You really can get a very big bang for your book and your time invested, and your money
1: invested. Fantastic. Uh, sounds. Uh, yeah, so it's about doing something you know, contrary, maybe something a bit different that that stands out. Um, I just want to ask you before we we uh, we finish because we've probably only got five minutes now before we need to kind of wrap up the show. Obviously, people are a really important part to to leverage growth Uh, and i wonder if you've got any sort of top tips around you know people uh, that are really essential for high growth yes certainly at the core i'm going to say
2: purpose And not only because it's at the core of my model but i talked about the importance of purpose to attract the very best customers but it also attracts not only the very best uh, team members and, and, and co-workers to our business, but it also keeps them. If we're up to something, if we've got a mission, if we've got a purpose about what we're about in our business, then uh, it captivates us, it grabs people's hearts as well as their minds, and that, that, that unifying a purpose, I think, can be very, very good at uh, keeping motivation levels high and commitment levels high in, in the organization. So that's number one. Number two, um, we need to provide challenge um, things that people find challenging. Daniel Pink, in his brilliant book, Drive, found that in the studies that they did, that actually, uh, with the exception of repetitive production line-type jobs where people were just doing the same thing time and time again, in those circumstances, a financial reward could increase performance. But as soon as you need to use your brain and start to think about something, the presence of a financial reward actually could see a drop in um, in output and productivity, and um, what they found was the thing that was most motivational was the in intrinsic nature of a, solving a problem, of tackling a challenge, and triumphing and succeeding at that challenge. So we've got to present you know good challenges for people so that we grow. We're pre-programmed human beings. To want to learn and to grow and of course we get a massive sense of achievement when we succeed so it's really important that we create challenges and the third one i'll give you positive feedback you know um it's really important that we let people know when they're doing good stuff and even if it's just recognition and praise saying thank you or more of this please and there's I deal on some of the programs and events that I run. I, I do a really, uh, really cool exercise that demonstrates the power of positive feedback. What all you ever do is give people, "No, do more of that, please. Yes, more of that, please." And how quickly it improves performance. So, just summarise: give people a clear clarity of purpose. Give them challenges that engage them, and that they can set, get a sense of the satisfaction from achieving them, and then provide positive feedback and praise for a job well done.
1: Excellent. Well, you just reminded me there when you were talking about uh, about challenge. Had a, a guest on the show, August Turak, who uh, wrote uh, a, a really fascinating book um, about his sort of business learnings uh, of from uh, Trappist monks, believe it or not. Um, but what, wow. was, what he was talking about in there was um, what he refers to as goat rodeos. And uh, a goat rodeo, he's talking about different organizations and uh, some of the people you know, like Google and all those sort of companies are very good at it, uh, suddenly setting a challenge. It might be on a, on a Friday morning, we've got to get something finished by Monday. And it just, it completely just captivates people's mind that they've got to pull together to achieve this this significant task by Monday because a client needs it. Um, and uh, apparently, you know, it just it harnesses everybody, uh, and uh, and it's, it's actually partly a strategy uh, because it brings people together, uh, and people will do go the extra mile to 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 get the task done, but actually enjoy the journey and they grow through it from the from the intensity of it. That's quite the interesting. Team
2: dynamic uh, will improve, and team performance will improve as a result of that. So it becomes an upward virtuous cycle.
1: Definitely, we've got we've got to just about leave there. Um, And I just wonder, before we left and and ended the interview, do you have any final messages that you'd like to leave us with today?
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, There's always another level, in in my opinion. We can always grow, I think, if human beings were pre-programmed to grow and Business, for example, is like nature. We're either it's either growing or it's dying. You know, there may be a pause between the tide coming in and the tide going out, but it's really important in our businesses that we that we look to grow. And what's also important that um, we do is put ourselves in a position where we have to deliver, where we have to to step up. And for example, uh, I've been launching in the UK a, a new program called Double Your Business, and I've and I, and I put myself on the line very purposefully where I say. If you join the program and um, you're a fit for the program, then we will double your business, your bottom line in 12 months, all your money back. And I think when you put yourself in a position as a human being where you have to deliver, where you have to step up to the plate, amazing and magical things happen. And too often we can get too comfortable and not push and strive for the very best that we possibly can be. So put yourself in a position where you absolutely can deliver, and sorry, have to deliver.
1: Wonderful. Well, Gavin, thanks so much for being on the show. I hope you've en- enjoyed it today. Uh, it's been really good to, to hear and hear about uh, initially your kind of sailing uh, achievements and uh, and hear all of your different thoughts on business growth um, and the different strategies uh, that you've come across to apply them. And uh, you know that I'm a big fan of your work. Uh, and uh, if you want to find out more about Gavin Preston, I go and check him out at GavinPreston.com. But uh, once again, thank you for listening, Gavin. Um, thank you again. I uh, hope you've had a great time today as, as much as I have. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. You're very welcome. All the best. And next week's show, we have Sue Richardson. And Sue's going to talk um, with me about publishing a book to elevate your business and how to do that. Because um, as, uh, as many of those of us who've uh, written a book will know, it's quite a complex world. And, and there's lots of dis- decisions to make and lots of ways to do, write a book inefficiently uh, versus efficiently, et cetera. So we're going to just explore all of those things next week. So do join us again uh, next week. And uh, say once again, a big thank you to my guest today, Gavin Preston.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.